0: Grace, mercy, and peace are yours through the Triune God. Whether you're listening from far away or next to beautiful Seneca Lake, we hope that through the reading and proclaiming of Scripture, you hear God's wisdom, challenge, and blessing for you today. If you're able to worship with us, on Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m., we at Hector Presbyterian Church would love to share Christ's peace with you.
1: A reading from the Second Scroll of the Kings. When Elijah, the man of God, returned to... Gilgal. There was a famine in the land. A group of prophets was waiting and sitting before him. Elijah said to his servant, put on the big pot and cook some stew for the prophets. So the servant went out to the field to gather plants. He found a wild vine and gathered wild gourds from it, filling his garments. He came and cut them up and into the pot of the stew, but no one knew what they were. The stew was served to the prophets, but as they started to eat it, they cried out and said, There is death in that pot, man of God. They couldn't eat it. Elijah said, Get me some flour. He threw it into the pot and said, Serve the people so they can eat. At that point, there was nothing bad left in the pot. A man came from Baal Shalishah, bringing the man of God some bread from the early produce, 20 loaves of barley bread and fresh grain from his bag. Elijah said, give it to the people so that they can eat. His servant said, how can I feed 100 people with this? Elijah said, give it to the people so they can eat. This is what the living one says, eat and there will be leftovers. So the servant gave the food to them. They ate and had leftovers in agreement with the living one's word. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading from the Gospel of John. After this, Jesus went across the sea. A large crowd followed him because they had seen the miraculous signs he had done among the sick. Jesus went up a mountain and sat there with his disciples. It was nearly time for the Jewish festival of Passover. Jesus looked up and saw the large crowd coming towards him. He asked Philip, where will we buy food to feed these people? Jesus said this to test him, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, more than a half a year's salary worth of food wouldn't be enough for each person to have even a little bit. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said, A youth here has five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that for a crowd like this? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass there. They sat down, about 5,000 of them, and then Jesus took the bread. When he had given thanks, he distributed to those who were sitting there. He did the same with the fish each getting as much as they wanted. When they had plenty to eat, Jesus said to his disciples, gather up the leftover pieces so that nothing will be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves that had been left over by those who had eaten. When the people saw that Jesus had done a miraculous sign, they said, This is truly the prophet who is coming into the world. Jesus understood that they were were about to come and force him to be their king. So he took refuge again alone on a mountain. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Burdock
0: roots. Milkweed. Queen Anne's Lace, to Alexis Nicole Nelson, these common plants, they aren't just pretty to look at. They are free food. Nelson is a foraging enthusiast whose online videos bloomed in popularity in 2020. Come follow her through her Columbus, Ohio neighborhood and she'll teach you how to recognize garlic mustard, super invasive and super good for you. She'll teach you how to cook cattail stalks and how to tell the difference between delicious and deadly species of nightshade. When scripture recounts, The bad luck of Elisha's servant, whose wild-gourd stew almost poisoned a posse of prophets. I picture Alexis Nelson pointing him towards a more edible option. I wonder how her imagination would fire up were she in Jesus' company, scanning the ground for greens while Andrew shrugged in defeat. the crowd of hungry people, a youth here has five loaves and two fish, but what good is that? What good is that? Familiar and frustrating, these words feel at home in my mouth. What good is that? Perhaps you also have a worn path of synapses in your brain that leads from judgment to disappointment to dismissal. What good is that? Contains its own answer. Nothing. That negative answer often sticks to people too, don't you think? What good is this young person willing to share? He's a waste of time. What good are we disciples? We are failures at planning for Jesus' needs. What's the use of trying? I'd be better off quitting now and saving myself the trouble. When my friend Kara arrived at Lake Nokomis Presbyterian Church to be their pastor, the congregation was asking, what good are we? And if a community is asking that question, they already suspect the answer. How could they not? Assembled in the gathering room for coffee, gazing at the framed confirmation class photographs on the wall. Each photograph was an eight-by-ten snapshot of teenagers who had formally joined the congregation going back to 1959. The earliest photos were black and white and featured smiling, robed, and corsaged young people standing three rows deep next to a pastor as the photos progressed into the 1970s and took on sepia tones, the robes gave way to bell-bottoms and turtleneck tops, and there were two rows of kids instead of three. Through the 1980s, the hairdos expanded and the numbers shrank until the photo of the final class somewhere in the late 1990s, a full-color close-up picture of three young women standing next to their pastor. At every meeting, every coffee hour, every community event, people stared at this monument to the past, a testament to their decline. How could they not ask, what good are we, God? But the funny thing about God is that God never answers that question, not on our terms. When Elisha's servant sputters, how can I feed 100 people with this? A mere 20 loaves of bread, the living one simply says, eat, and there will be leftovers. Leftovers. When Andrew moans, a youth here has five barley loaves and two fish, but what good is that? The Savior simply takes the food and gives thanks to the Creator. We already have negative answers embedded in our questions. Questions like, how can I? And what good is that? So God changes the question. What will I do with that? Just you watch. That's what the crowds did. They watched Jesus. They had seen miraculous signs he had done among the sick, among the people society had written off. We've watched Jesus, too, for the past few weeks. What good is a chronically ill woman or a deaf man? What use are children, girls even, that Jesus would heal them? But Jesus doesn't answer those questions on our terms. No, not when he sees a beloved child of God right in front of him. and Jesus won't dismiss us, no matter how small our offerings. All around us, the Spirit is changing the questions, shifting the subjects away from us and back to God. What good is that? becomes, what will God do with that? Pay attention, friends, because the answers will likely surprise you. Remember Lake Nokomis and their wall of shame? They wanted to shift the subject back to God, and so they asked themselves a few questions. They asked, what is keeping us from noticing what God is doing, and joining it without hesitation. What unspoken fears or beliefs are holding us back? They gave language to some big assumptions that they as a community had rehearsed. Maybe these two will sound familiar to you. Number one, our glory days are past. And number two, we are too small, too old, and we don't have enough money. In other words, we were good enough, but not anymore. We used to be something, and now we are nothing. When those church folks spoke aloud those two big assumptions, they felt a sense of relief. Finally, we can be honest. But they also wondered, what is the opposite of these statements? Here's what the Spirit kindled among them. Number one, God is doing something here and now that incorporates the past and leads us into the future. And number two, We are exactly the right size and makeup and have the resources we need for what God wants to do in and through us. Again and again, the Spirit shifts the subject back to God. God is doing something here. And God has the right stuff to do it. Friends, I wonder if we believe that's also true about this church, whether we believe that's true about our individual lives. I think that the neighbors who attended our end-of-summer carnival would say yes. Yes, God is doing something with a generous welcome With multi-generational community and free ice cream, I venture to say that God was actively affirming the worth of each person. God even knit together past and future when each child went home with a book donated by Roberta Flowers, our dear sister who died five years back. Is God doing something here? I think our Sunday school children would say yes. In August, they brainstormed how a new playground would help us rebuild community from the pandemic. Alongside monkey bars and a picnic table, they suggested a miniature soccer field and a play structure shaped like a castle. God was dreaming alongside them and inspired our community partners at the library, too. Folks, library leadership has a castle place structure on order for you if you'll keep dreaming with God. God has the right stuff in this church and in our lives to feed and heal neighbors, to bless and love the world. And you, you are a part of it. You are as much the weary seeker sitting on the grass as disciples distributing the bounty. And in the final analysis, what you receive and what you offer others is none other And God's love made flesh and bone and breath. Soothing your skin in anointing oil, as real as baptismal waters are wet, here is Jesus. Slipping in through the spaces in our words, here is Jesus. Nourishing us even when we aren't chewing on the bread from his table, Here is our Savior. He isn't the king the crowds want to crown, and he certainly doesn't endorse any of our political candidates. He isn't above it all in heaven, but is immersed in creation with the ravens and the lilies of the field. He is the bread of life that unites our lives with hungry hearts and empty stomachs. God will always have the right stuff to do what heaven dreams for earth because God's own presence in Jesus is enough. And what good is that? Friends, keep your senses open for how the Spirit changes the question shifts the subject, surprises us with grace. It is grace enough to turn our sighing into laughter, grace that confronts us with love without end, grace that transforms frustration into a feast. For such grace, let us give all glory and all gratitude to God, creator of sun and soil, Christ, the bread of life, Spirit, who bids us come and dine. Amen.